like to thank Nigel for the welcome and indeed his invite to come and share in the Word of God today. It's been my pleasure to be at home and to share with my own folks. It's good to have been here today. This morning I announced this evening I'm going to take up the subject when Russia invades, not Ukraine, but Israel. And that's what I want to do this evening. It's quite a lot in it and I'll go through it as quickly as I can. For those who weren't here this morning, Nigel mentioned Ukraine in his prayer. Early others prayed for it. And out in the back table, if you weren't here this morning, there are some of the newsletters of the trip that Donald and I were involved in in January. And the reports out there, feel free to take that and to read that at your leisure. But we're turning now to chapter 38 and verse 1 of the book of Ezekiel, please. And it says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Now some ask the question, how do you get Russia out of that? Well, it's quite simple, really. That phrase, the chief prince. In the King James here, it is translated, obviously, as the chief prince, because it's taking it as an adjective, but when you take it as a noun, it's actually the chief of Rosh and of Meshach and Tubal, and we'll see where those places are in due course. So that's how we get Rush out of it, simply by using it as a noun rather than an adjective, as it is before you there. Verse 2. Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say... Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws, and will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armour, even a great company, with bucklers and shields, and all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, Libya, with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all his bands, the house of Tugmara of the north quarters, and all his bands and many people with thee. Be thou prepared, and prepare for thyself thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. After many days thou shalt be visited in the latter years, thou shalt come into the land that is brought back out from the sword, and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel." which have always been waste, but is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. Thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land, thou and all thy bands, and thy many people with thee. Thus saith the Lord God, It also shall come to pass that at the same time shall things come into thy mind, and thou shalt think an evil thought. Now shall say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages, and note that phrase, I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls, having neither bars nor gates, to take a spoil and to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited, and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations, which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. And we leave it there, and we trust that the Lord will add his blessing upon the reading of his own inspired infallible, inerrant, indestructible, incorruptible and inexhaustible word of truth. Now before we consider what the Lord would say to us this evening, can we have a brief word of prayer please together.
Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for all that has taken part in the meeting already. We thank Thee for the hymns we've sung together. We thank Thee for the ministry of our brethren. And we thank Thee for Thy presence already. But now as we come to the Word of God, we would pray that Thou would meet every need that is in this meeting tonight. Meet the preacher's need. Touch his mind and touch his lips. And help him to discharge the message you've given him in the quiet place. Lord, we pray for those gathered in them. We pray that you'll help us to set aside the things of tomorrow. And the things of the day that have gone. And help us to hear the word and the voice of God. But maybe if there's one that's gathered in tonight and they know not the Savior. Or one listening in that's outside of Christ. We pray that you'll meet the greatest need. And pray, Lord, that you'll meet their need of salvation. Lord, take away every distracting thought. And Lord, we pray that through the foolishness of preaching, names will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life to the glory of the Saviour. We ask it in his name and for his sake. Amen. In Ezekiel 38 and 39, these two chapters deal with the rise of an anti-Semite state. And you know my love of the land of Israel. But this federation will come This federation of nations will come and attack the land of Israel. And when it comes to this invading force, the odds will be overwhelmingly against Israel. They will seem insurmountable. Indeed, what comes, as we'll see in a few minutes, they will make the challenges of the wars of independence on the 14th of May, 1948. Well, the war started on the 15th. The declaration was signed on the 14th. And then the Six-Day War in 1967 and the War of Yom Kippur on the 6th of October 1973 will all pale into insignificance against this invading horde. But of course, as always, God will keep his word. God will always again fight for Israel. And so tonight I want to focus on this invasion to see this battle, which I believe as we consider world events and politics, Things are shaping up for. And I pray tonight that as we see it, we'll understand how close the things of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to the air, which is the next step for his people really are. And as you see how close the return of the Lord is, then tonight that you will make preparation for eternity and you'll come and trust the Lord. First thing I want to bring to your attention is what this invasion is not. What it is not. You see, this invasion is most definitely not the battle of Armageddon. And there are many reasons for that, but I'll show you a few. Firstly, only certain nations are mentioned here. Only a few of them. But it makes it clear in Revelation chapter 16 that the battle of Armageddon, it says that it is the kings of the whole earth who will come. Not just a few nations, so it can't be Armageddon. In Ezekiel 39 and verse 12, it tells us that it will take the Jews seven months to bury the dead from this battle. But Armageddon in Revelation 19 and verse 17 and 18, it is the vultures who will deal with the dead. In Ezekiel, the invasion is from the north, whereas in Revelation, of course, it's the whole world starting with the east with Armageddon incited by demonology. In Ezekiel, Israel is dwelling in peace. But at Armageddon, 
Antichrist has broken the peace treaty in the midst of the peace, or in the midst of the tribulation, so it can't be that. So tonight it is clear that this is not the Battle of Armageddon, but what is also clear that awful days, tremendous days, lie ahead. And as you see these days, and they're coming to pass, and the world is preparing for these things, then you need to be ready, you need to be saved tonight. And right at the very outset, I want to plead with you, as you see these things, will you come and cry unto the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, save me a sinner. Not asking you to pray a fancy prayer, or an eloquent prayer, or a long prayer, because that was their criteria, this man would never be saved. Peter, on one occasion, sinking in the water, He didn't have time for long, flancy, flowing, eloquent prayers. He just prayed three words, Lord, save me. And that's all you need with a repentant heart tonight. And I plead that you'll come and call on his name. So what this invasion is not. But let's start to look at who these allies are and we'll deal with them chronologically. In verse 2, you have Magog. And the historians such as Josephus tell us that Magog founded a people derived from him called the Magogites, Magogites, nearly get my tongue around it. And these were called the Scythians by the Greeks. And of course many scholars then identify this people with the region between Armenia and Media and the area of the Cossacus and so on, and that Gog would be the leader of the Confederacy. So that's Magog. Verse 2 again, then you have Rosh, and we've already explained about the difference between an adjective and a noun and the difference that it makes. And I believe it is Rosh. Rosh is Russia. And three times, if you look at Ezekiel 38, verse 4, and verse 15, and 39, and verse 20, we have references to horses. And I believe, again, that would be to the Russian Cossacks. So you've got the Magog and Rosh, and then you've got Meshach in verse 2. And this place as well as the next one point is directly to Russia because Meshach is Moscow and so therefore if you read it then the the, uh, the chief Rosh or Rosh of Meshach and Tubal and again we're very much pointing in the direction of Russia verse 2 it's not hard to work out I went out Tubal and is modern Tobolsk and Asiatic Russia so again we're pointing to Russia Then in verse 5 we come to see the confederate nations that will begin to come and join with them. In verse 5 the first one you have is Persia. And we know that Persia is modern Iran. And of course Iran openly hates Israel tonight. Indeed Iran is probably the sponsor of most worldwide terror and the terrorist attacks in most places. And Iran seeks to blow Israel off the face of the planet. I think it was back in 2005, it was back about that time that their former president, Ahmadinejad, he said that he was going to blow Israel off the face of the planet and he was going to destroy every Jew. Just exactly what it says in Psalm 83 and verse 4, Come, let us cut them off from being a nation to the name, their name be no more in their remembrance. But today, Ahmadinejad's gone and Israel is still there. But tonight... Iran, as I've said, funds worldwide terror in addition to funding the likes of Hamas and Hezbollah. So it's no surprise that their name is there, the first of the Confederate nations. 
But then in verse 5, you also have another one, which is Ethiopia. Now, it's not modern Ethiopia as you and I know it today. I love the land of Ethiopia, having worked there a number of years ago, but Ethiopia here is ancient Kush. And Kush is modern Sudan. And if you look at a map, Sudan is a strategic place because it allows access and control of the Red Sea and, of course, access then into Israel by sea. Verse 5, you also have not only Iran and Ethiopia or Persia and Ethiopia, you have Libya. And Libya are put. And you need to go back to Genesis 10 then. Put is as the third son of Ham from Genesis 10. And it's much more than modern Libya. But it also includes those Russian-sponsored countries of Islamic countries across North Africa, of course, which hate Israel today. And you can see that it's not just Libya, but it's that whole swathe of people that will come against Israel. Come into verse 6 and then you have one that's difficult to place, which is Gomer. Now there are two biblical views among the scholars of who Gomer is. I take the second view. The first people believe that it is that part of Asia Minor that we know as Turkey. And of course Turkey's changed its name in recent days, but it's Turkey is what they say, that part of Asia Minor. But I think there's a different one will be Turkey. I think that Gomer's identity is actually Germany. Now, where did I get that from? Well, in Genesis chapter 10 and verse 3, it tells us that Gomer had three sons, one of whom was Ashkenaz. And even today that we call the German-speaking Jews Ashkenazi Jews, the people who spoke German and all that took place in there, swamped out during the the Holocaust and so on. Any, any European Jew generally spoke Ashkenazi or German and they were Ashkenazi. And that's my reason for believing that it's an Ashkenaz. Verse 6 also mentions Togmara. And again, he is another one of Gomer's three sons. And that's the area covered indeed by northern Turkey. And tonight you can see the political nations come together. Russia and Syria and Iran and Turkey, and these places coming together and forming their alliances. And therefore, an important point to notice here is Russia and these nations are being brought by God. You see, look at verse 4. They're just like a, a fisherman reeling in his catch. Look at verse 4. It says, And I will turn thee back and will put hooks into thy jaws, just as a fisherman. And I will bring thee forth and all thine army and horses and horsemen and all of them clothed with all sorts of armour, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. My friends, tonight I've went over those fairly quickly. But you can see as these strategic alliances are forming in the world, that every detail of this book that was written thousands of years ago, it's correct. But these things are beginning to come to pass. And as these things are accurate, then when the Lord Jesus says to you tonight that ye must be born again, that's accurate. And so you must. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's the only way of salvation tonight. And as you see the details of the accuracy of the Old Testament word of God and being fulfilled before your eyes, then tonight you need to give heed 
to your own soul's personal salvation and come and call on his name. Will you respond and respond tonight? What this invasion is not. Who are the allies? But then thirdly, when will they invade? Well, Ezekiel gives us three major clues as to the timing. Look at verse 8 of chapter 38. And it says there the latter years, after many days thou shalt be visited, what? In the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel which have always been waste but is brought forth out of the nations and they shall dwell safely, all of them. In the latter years, the land that has always been waste, Back before 1948, it was just a howling wilderness. You come with us in May, you'll find the ladies anyway, the first thing they'll be given will be a rose. Grown in the desert. The plain of Ono, just where Ben-Gurion Airport is. How things have been transformed. They're back in the land. In the latter years. Of course, around uh, 6 million have made Aliyah and returned home. Israel this week said that they have planes standing aside, ready to bring 100,000 Jews out of Ukraine, if need be, at a moment's notice. Six million of them already have gone home. And God has fulfilled his word regarding those waste places. In Ezekiel 35 and verse 1, it says, The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. The desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. God is fulfilling his word. And some of these days this battle will take place. And you need to be ready. The latter days, or the latter years. But then it's more specific in verse 16, a verse we didn't read. Verse 16 says, The latter days, thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land. It shall be what? In the latter days, and I will bring thee against my land, that the heathen may know me. And I shall be sanctified in thee, O Gog, before their eyes. Now that phrase, the latter days, is used 11 times and it's used to describe Israel's time of distress, which is soon to come. The latter years, the latter days, but it's also important to note that Israel will be at rest. Three times in Ezekiel 38 we're told this invasion will take place when Israel is at rest. Look at verse 8. And they shall dwell safely, all of them. Verse 11, and thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. No walls are up. You go with us in May, you'll find that that great monstrosity between uh, Jerusalem and Bethlehem to keep the, the suicide bombers and so on out. The walls are up. Walls everywhere. And it says, thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are rest, that dwell safely, all of them, Dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. So there's dwelling safely in verse 8. Dwelling safely, all of them in verse 11. Look at verse 14. It says, In that day when my people Israel dwelleth safely, shalt thou not know it? Now from the 14th of May, 1948, Israel has never had a moment's peace. They seek for peace. They long for peace. They will try to buy peace. They gave up the Gaza Strip about 17-odd years ago for peace. And what have they got? They've got rockets coming over day and daily. Every day ever since. And then when they respond, they're the worst in the world. 
never at peace. Now the Bible only mentions two times when Israel will have peace. And one will be in the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there will be no invading force when the Lord's in control. After the rapture of the church, Daniel in chapter 9, 27 tells us that Antichrist will sign the peace treaty in the Middle East. And that will be the first time that seven years that Israel has peace. And of course, Antichrist will break that peace treaty after three and a half years. But that peace treaty starts the great tribulation, the tribulation period, that three and a half years. So it will not be during the millennium. Because Isaiah 2 and 4 says, And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning heights. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So it can't be that period. And the only other period is when Israel has peace, is during that three and a half, first three and a half years of the tribulation period. Now, dear friend, tonight, Sir, madam, and you're not saved. There's never been that time when you've come and bowed your knee. There's never been that time when you've come and called in the name of the Lord. There's never been that time when you've asked him to save you. Tonight I believe with all my heart the Lord could come to the air for his people at any moment. Nothing to prohibit it. Nothing to prevent it. And if he was to come tonight, I believe that peace treaty will be signed very quickly. The Bible doesn't tell us how long. Personally, I believe it will be quickly. And as little as just more than three and a half years, these things could be happening. And you're not saved. You'll be here for them. Friend, you need to make preparation tonight. Is it not time to seek the Lord? Because the reality is, if you miss the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to the air, and I'll show you later, if you miss it, you can't be saved. It's too late for you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is a day of salvation. What this invasion is not, who are the allies? When will they invade? Where will they invade? Well, it's evident here that this invasion will take place on the mountains of Israel. Look at verse 8 again. We've read it a number of times. We'll read it again. Verse 8. After many days thou shalt be visited, and in the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel which have always been waste, but is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell all in safely. It's very plain that they're coming to Israel, and we'll not develop that further. But verse 5, or number 5, why are they invading? Well, there's four reasons why they will come to invade. Four reasons that this horde is going to come in to Israel. Firstly, and obviously, to crush her because they hate her. Secondly, they want to control the Middle East. But for me, the... One of the main reasons is they want to come to challenge the authority of Antichrist. Keep your finger there in Ezekiel. Turn with me over to Daniel chapter 11 for a second, please. Daniel chapter 11. And I want you to see one further thing. Daniel chapter 11. We look at verse 40, verse 43 and 4. Daniel 11, verse 40. And I'm going through as quickly as I possibly can. Daniel 11, verse 40. And it says, at the time of the end, so there's the time, shall the king of the south push at him. So they're coming to push at Antichrist. And the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships. And he shall 
enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over. Verse 43. And he shall have power over the thing, treasures of gold and silver and over all the precious things of Egypt and of the Libyans and the Ethiopians shall be at his steps. But tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. Therefore shall he go forth with great fury to destroy and utterly make away make many. I wake away many. This evasion is coming ultimately to challenge the authority of the beast, to challenge the authority of the Antichrist. And he can only come to power after the Lord Jesus Christ takes the church out. But you could do it any time. And you're not ready tonight. The fourth reason is not just to destroy Israel, to crush Israel, to control the Middle East, or challenge the authority of of uh, Antichrist, they're coming to take away a spoil. Go back to Ezekiel 38 and verse 12. And it says to take a spoil and to take a prey and to turn in hand upon the desolate places and so on. They're coming to take a spoil. Today, of course, Israel is a very wealthy country compared to most others. And in recent years, they've discovered huge assets of oil and gas and so on. And these nations are coming, yes, for all of these reasons, but they're wanting the spoil. And you see these things coming to pass, falling into line. When you see, begin to see these things come to pass, look up. Well, they've long since begun to come to pass. We've had two years of COVID and all these pestilences. We've had an increase in earthquakes. We've horrendous weather. And the coming of the Lord's drawing nigh. And you need to prepare tonight. Is it not time you came and called on his name? What the invasion is not. Who the allies are, when they will invade, where they will invade, why are they happening, invading? But what will happen when they invade? And you have the actions of the Almighty set out before us here. You see, this invasion will invoke the anger and wrath of God. Look at Ezekiel 38 and verse 18 then. It says, And it shall come to pass, at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. This invasion is going to invoke the wrath of God. And that wrath will bring a fourfold response from, his, from the Lord. Look at verse 19 and 20. Firstly, there will be a great earthquake. For in my jealousy, and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken, surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. A great shaking. So that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of heaven and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep upon the earth and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence and the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground. What a horrific day that's going to be. The power of God unleashed on this planet. All the fish and all the birds all the beasts and all creeping things and all men and all mountains and the steep places in every wall will shake at his wrath. <clears throat> Tonight, dear friend, you're risking the wrath and having to deal with it. Is it not time to repent tonight? Is it not time to call in the name of the Lord? So the first thing will be this good earthquake. <coughs> Look at verse 21. The infighting among the troops. <coughs> Excuse me, I've got a frog in my throat. Apologies. Verse 21. And it says, 
And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountain, saith the Lord. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. Against his brother. In the chaos of the earthquake and everything else that God's going to be doing, there will be the greatest loss of life in human history due to friendly fire. It's coming. And then disease will spread. Verse 22, and I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood. We all know about pestilence from the last two years. But something greater is coming. And then look at torrential rain and hailstones and fire. God will be fighting for Israel. Now keep your finger there. Turn over with me to Joel chapter 2, please. Second chapter of Joel, just a few books over. Joel chapter 2 and the verse 20. We're thinking of not only there's going to be the earthquake and the pestilence, but there's going to be torrential rain and hailstones and fire. Look at verse 20. And it says, But I will remove far off from you the northern army and will drive him into land barren and desolate with his face toward the east sea and his hinder part toward the utmost sea. And here it is, and his stink shall come up and his ill savour shall come up because he hath done great things. God will deal with them. But notice that phrase, his stink shall come up. And if you go back to chapter 38 and 22, he says very clearly, and I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon many people that are with him an overflowing rain and great hailstones and fire and brimstone. We've had a great deluge of rain today, but nothing like that day. And there's going to be hailstones and fire and brimstone with it. Add it to pestilence, add it to an earthquake. God always defends Israel. And from what we have looked at, you can clearly see the impact of the battle less than three and a half years after the signing of the peace treaty. Go over to chapter 39 and verse 2. And he says, The Lord looks after his own, and I will turn thee back and leave, but the sixth part of thee, and will cause thee to come from, up from the north parts, and will bring thee upon the mountains. The sixth part. So five, six are going to perish. And there's one common hitter who believes that that means a sixth. The sixth means the total rather than one sixth. And Mr. Putin, or whoever's in charge in Russia, needs to read this book. When they invade Israel, at least five, six of them are going to return home in body bags. And dear friend, tonight, given what's ahead for this world, will you not repent? Will you not turn to him? That you go with him when the Lord comes to there to take his people out. The action of the Almighty. The aftermath of the attack. You see, just as this invasion and attack brought a fourfold response from God, there will be four events. Fourfold events after the carnage. A great feast for the beasts and the fowls of the air. Look at 39, chapter, or chapter 39, verses 4 and 5. I'm just trying to let the Bible speak for itself as much as possible. Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel... Thou and all thy bands and the people that is with thee, I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. Thou shalt fall upon the open field, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. Down to chapter 39 and verse 17. Now, son of man, thus saith the Lord God, 
Speak unto every feathered fowl, to every beast of the field. Assemble yourselves and come gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice that I do sacrifice for you. Even a great sacrifice upon the mountains of Israel that ye may eat flesh and drink blood, that ye shall eat the flesh of the mighty and drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams, of lambs and of goats and bullocks, all of them fatlings of Bashan. And ye shall eat fat till ye be full. And drink blood and be drunken of my sacrifice that I have sacrificed for you. Thus she shall be filled at my table with horses and chariots and with mighty men and all men of war. The fourfold thing after the battle. Firstly, there's going to be this great feast. Secondly, the burying will take seven months. I said earlier on, look at 39 and verse 12. And seven months shall the house of Israel be burying of them, that they may cleanse the land. It will take seven years to burn the weapons. Look at verse eight, or verse 9 of chapter 39. And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall have in fire and burn the weapons, both with the shields and bucklers and the bows and the arrows and the hand staves and the spears. And here it is. And they shall burn them with fire. Seven years, seven years to destroy the weapons. But I need to get finished. Many will come to repentance at that time. Many will come. If you have a careful reading of the remainder of Ezekiel 39, that will show that God will be glorified in the salvation of many Jews and Gentiles. But I need to explain exactly who that is. Because I said earlier to you, if you miss the rapture of the church, you can't be saved. Because you've heard the gospel. This will be a people that have never heard the gospel before the rapture of the church. And they'll get their opportunity at that stage. So how do I get to the point where I know you can't be saved if you miss the rapture of the church? Turn with me for one last reference to... 2 Thessalonians 2, as we come to a close place. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. How do I know that you can't be saved if you miss the rapture of the church? Look at verse 8. And 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 8, and if you haven't heard anything else I've said, or you don't remember anything else I've said, take note of this, because you need to get saved before the Lord Jesus comes. Verse 8. Then shall that wicked be revealed. There's his description, the Antichrist being revealed, the beast, the man of sin, and so on. The wicked, there's his description. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. There's his defeat. The Lord's going to deal with him. It's great to be in the victory side before the battle's ever fought. But the greatest battle was ever won at the place called Calvary. His description, his defeat, verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and sign and lying wonder. So there's his despicable act. He's after the workings of Satan and his power and his signs and lying wonders. And hardly a surprise because the devil, he's a child of the devil and the devil is the father of lies. So his despicable activity. Verse 10. And with all deceivousness, of unrighteousness in them that perish. So there's his description, or deception rather. He's deceiving them that perish. 
Now here's the bit. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. There's their denial. And friend, tonight I say to you out of a heart of love, that describes you. Tonight you have not received the love of the truth. You have not received the truth of the gospel. You have not received the one who is the way and the truth and the life. And tonight you're not saved and that describes you. You've denied the truth. You're not saved. And no matter how good a person you are in your own sight or in other people's sight, you have not received the truth tonight. Verse 11. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. There's their delusion. You refused to believe the truth. You refused to believe the truth of the gospel. You refused to come and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour. You're refusing the truth. But you'll have delusion that you believe the lie. Verse 12. And tragically, here's the proof of my point, that they, might, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Their damnation. And friend, tonight, the reality is you've heard the gospel. And tonight, you remain in your sin. And you're playing with fire. Because the coming of the Lord is drawing nigh. All the things that we have described, we see them in the alliances of nations. We see other things going on in our world. Second Timothy 3, the first five or six verses, there are 19 things there that will precede the coming of the Lord. And every one of them is there tonight. You're not saved. And the wrath of God is abiding upon you. And tonight, you need to come. Because the only people who can get saved during the tribulation period are those who have never heard the gospel. And they will be the ones who will be in the group of the redeemed in Revelation 7. Friend, tonight, behold now is the day of salvation. Behold now is the accepted time. Now's your chance. The only way you can get saved is by coming to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. There he shed his blood. There he gave himself for you. He bore the wrath of a holy God during those three hours. That you and I, if we would come and call on his name, might be saved. Will you come tonight? Will you come? And call on his name. Will you come and cry, Lord, save me a sinner? At the end of the meeting, if I can be of any help to anyone, I'll stay as long as it takes. I'll not buttonhole you. I'll not force you into something you don't want to do. But I'll show you the way of salvation to the best of my ability. But friend, don't leave it. These things are coming. And you need to come and call in the name of the Lord. I don't often do this. But I feel the Lord speaking to someone. If you don't want to talk to me, that's all right. That's no problem. Nigel's here if you want to speak to somebody else. That's fine. I have a little booklet in my hand. Now, taking a booklet won't save you. But if you're concerned about your soul, you take the booklet. I'll not even say anything. But it'll tell me to pray for you. 
that you're concerned. But friend, don't leave it tonight. Be ready. Get saved. And be sure of heaven and home. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts this evening.